This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thank you for yeah, downloading. No. I hope... Oh, you f***ing <laughs> every time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'll leave that in. That was funny. Oh, you almost certainly <laughs> Thank you for downloading the Homestead Radio podcast. Made by a complete <laughs> Oh, that makes it sound like me, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a fantastic show today. I think you'll absolutely love it. Uh, we're not going to talk too much uh, before we before we get into the main body of the show, but we are going to have Nicholas Gillard's joke of the week. Knock, knock. Who's there? I smell up. I smell up who? Uh Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football at FanDuel. You select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Optus stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. So, outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise. Every Premier League match day with FanDuel and just for Homestale radio listeners we've got an extra special offer right now when you sign up use the promo code PALACE that means if you don't make money in your first contest mm-hmm. FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10 so go to FanDuel.co.uk and use the promo code PALACE to grab the offer now what are you waiting for? Terms apply over 18s only please play responsibly this week, Palace lost 3-1 to champions Leicester City as a combination of missed chances, poor play and a distinct lack of urgency saw the team fall to a, se- a second. Also correct as dummy here, lads. It says fall to a serious condition, successive defeat. Did Not you say foreplay was one of the problems? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't it sounded like foreplay. No, poor play. Poor play. Oh. It's totally derailed my introduction, isn't it? You did that yourself, team, mate. Team <laughs> to a serious condition, successive. Second success? Oh, 
don't know. Don't know. Second successive defeat. That's what, man. <laughs> anyway, a late look consolation goal from Johan Gabay in, in, oh, in a late period. I've ruined this, haven't I? You can't say late twice. Actually, Chris, <laughs> Chris, yes, would, mate. Yeah. Would the second successive defeat be the third defeat in a row? Because obviously, the first successive defeat is the it's one. It's the second one, yeah. It's the second one. So well, actually, that's a really good point. It's a really good point. I think this is one of the best beginnings to a show ever. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Hi, I'm Chaz Domination. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. <laughs> Can't believe Mikey did that. That was going really well. Anyway, look, we'll be giving our views on the game shortly. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get in touch with the show today, <laughs> please, uh, you can tweet us at HRL Radio. Or you can go to hlradio.net forward slash contact or head to the chat room where Nick will probably be there. Uh, Nick Gillard, that is. Um, and that's hlradio.net forward slash chat. Uh, with me today, I've got Terence Ford. Hello. Hello. We have Nicholas Gillard. Hello. We have Nick Philpop. Good evening, everyone. And we have, for the first time, but technically second time, but definitely the first time you'll hear him, it's Jack Watson. Evening. Very excited. I thought, thought you would be. <laughs> So it um, actually makes it out this time. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm probably sure it will. Probably. Uh, Jack, if you didn't know, uh, did the preview show during the course of the week, uh, but we mysteriously fa- failed to actually record it. So his debut was. It'll just go down as this sort of secret hidden show that nobody will ever hear. Best <laughs> podcast ever in the history of all podcasts, and you'll never hear it. <laughs> you will. You'll never ever hear it. None of us will. Just what, been... what was funny was um, I, list- I actually downloaded the one that was recorded, and I was listening to it on the bus. And Terence was hosting, and of course, um, young Nick was on. Young Nick, who's older than me. But every time Terence went Nick, it was all I could do to stop saying what? Or <laughs> <laughs> actually answer him when I was on the bus. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's talk about the game. Obviously, it was a 3 1 defeat. Uh, Kabaya's goal didn't really matter in the end. Uh, and I, was, I suppose, really, the lesson to learn there was if you start playing in the, in the 84th minute, it's probably a bit too late, really. Um, I don't know. I don't know really how I feel. I, I looked. I want to start really talking about um, a couple of key stats from the game because we had 58% possession uh, and 23 shots a goal. Uh, but statistically, we dominated the game. And what immediately came to mind was that's exactly what happened in Leicester's season last year. Teams went to Leicester, took the game to them, and ended up being beaten. And you know, Pardew's very clear in his press conferences that we're going to take our, our game to the opposition. Um, I feel that that's probably where the game was lost, uh, in that we didn't play the opposition, we just played our game. And as much as I admire that in some circumstances, when a team has won the league doing that, I find it a little hard to stomach. Uh, and Pardew says we played well in patches. In fact, he, he suggested we played well for, for most of the game. I, I can't agree with that. Uh, so... I'm going to start. I start with you, Terence. Really, um, first of all, how did we play? Um, I thought for half of the game, sort of broken up into sort of 20-minute periods at the start and the end. I thought we were actually all right at times, but um, it's a bit like you say. You go to Leicester and you take the game to them. You're probably going to suffer, and teams have been doing it to Leicester for now over a year, and they're 20 games unbeaten at home. So um, you would like to think that we'd have a little bit of a different plan and uh but 
I don't think it's so much born out of our specific performance on the day, but probably just more out of who we've got in defence as a result of our transfer window in the summer. Yeah, well, we'll certainly be talking about the, the defensive performance, both sort of as a as a group and some of the individuals in that side. Uh, Jack, give you a chance to, to sort of to chime in here. I know you've been quite uh, quite positive about Pardew um, on on Twitter and various other sort of places. What first of all, do you do you agree with him that we played well, or, or just feel similar to Terence and, and myself, perhaps a bit more negative? Uh, I think what he would have been looking for was a reaction to West Ham, and I think for the opening period of the game um, he did get that reaction um, somewhat there was good playing patches I agree with that it's just we didn't take our chances when we were playing well um, and that's what has cost us the game which is unfortunate but I do think um, in terms of the play there was an improvement on what we saw in West Ham which was awful um, so it wasn't too too hard to play better than that but I would, I would agree yeah definitely I think there was good playing patches and you know um, credit for you know improving the display and making sure there was a bit of a fight back uh, Mr Gusset. Yeah, I thought once once we came into it in the first half, I thought we were going to boss it, especially, you know, the, there were two make-or-break moments in that game, I thought. One was the Benteke crossbar header, and um, the other was when Mares moved in and Pardew didn't seem to have an answer straight away, and that's what we look to a manager for, is, you know, if the opposition change their tactics, is it up to the players on the pitch to deal with it, or should Pardew be shouting instructions on, and, you know, has he thought about that kind of thing? No, well, that's yeah, that's a really good point. And, and when you start getting into the sort of tactical analysis of the game, which we'll do a bit more, a bit more later on, it's game management is is twofold. Part of it is, is certainly the manager from the sidelines has to give guidance, has to call a player over and tell them someone to switch positions, that kind of stuff. But you do, you do, you have players out there who are there to there to respond. And it was quite obvious that first of all, while um, Kelly was up against uh, Mares. You know, he was really struggling, but he he was suddenly, you know, he almost Mares sort of took that whole thing out of the equation by going inside and suddenly Kelly was was periphery. He was there was no point to him, you know. He wasn't wasn't really coming inside to cover. In fact the the, the best thing he did in the game was to put the ball in for Benteke to head that ball onto the bar. Um it was it was really quite worrying. So um let, let's start there, uh, Nick Nick Philpot actually. Uh, Martin Kelly I, I sort of picked out as as the player who was the weak link for me um, in that game. I'm happy to go into that in a bit, but what did you think of his performance? Uh, it was certainly better than the performance he had on uh, against on, against West Ham. I mean, you're right, he was up against Mares and Ward was up against Musa. Ironically, it was the Musa, it was Musa that uh, had one of the goals. But I actually think uh, Kelly had an upturn in performance, but he's still way, way short of the mark, in my opinion. And we just, obviously, the, the obvious thing is we need Dan back as quickly as possible. Well, we need Dan. We also, you know, we've got, we've got Soiree out. You know, and we're, you know, the only real option out there to replace Kelly is Friars. You know, he still clearly has some uh, some deficiencies in, in a uh, in a defensive sense. I I I just felt that that you've got to be smarter than that as a team, not just the manager. You you see, you saw that the the problems that Mares had caused by coming coming in centrally, as as Nick Gillard, Gillard had observed. It's but he was, was causing obvious. problems outside out wide as well, though. Oh, he, I mean, he was, but but. You know, it was we had it, we'd come out of a period where we were dominating, where we were we were pushing Mares back by attacking down the flanks. Townsend had got into the game. You know, Zaha was well in the game and probably our best player on the day anyway. But he was massively in the game. And for that period, we looked we looked by far the better team. 
it, it was looked like a matter of time before we scored. And it was that shift, that creating that extra body in the middle, that all of a sudden it was reminiscent of West Ham, where, again, you had Ledley with too many players to, to screen. And when you actually look at that, I mean, we, we can look at all three of the goals because I'm frustrated with our play for all three of them. You know, you could argue that they're, they're good goals, but for the, for the first one, you know, again, point to Kelly. Okay, the ball perhaps shouldn't have come across quite as easy as it did to Musa, but Kelly's too concerned with making sure that there's not an easy ball to put Mares in. That he's actually forgotten to do the very basic thing of not let a player have be able to pass the ball into the net from from just outside the box. It was really terrible to see. I'm used to seeing Palace players throw themselves at the ball just to stop a shot, and on on that occasion, and definitely for for the third goal for Fuchs, if you if you watch that, your first your first thought is what a strike that is. You know, Benteke's headed a corner out and it's bounced to him and he's just smashed it. But when you actually look at it, James Tompkins gets out of the way of it. It's, it's going straight towards him and he turns his body away from it. You know, like I think, I think Tompkins was probably more concerned about sort of not handballing it because it did look as if he was going to raise his arm then he does sort of turn his way. But I do get that. Um, maybe look at Zahar as well for sort of closing it down a little more. I know it was a great goal, um, but it just needs to be quicker, our defenders, in getting out of the box when shots come to the edge of the area. I mean, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I'm just, I, I, for me, there's no excuse for for a defender not putting their body on the line. Okay, could be worried about the handball, but who cares? It's, you know, it's a goal at the end of the day. There's no point getting it, getting everything out of the way of it and hoping for the best. Well, Delaney's you know? a specialist at that, any really? He's, yeah. He does it all day long. Yeah, no, it's just, it was very disappointing. Sorry, Jack, you did want to make a, another point at game management, I know. Yeah, no, it was just with, with the Kenny, but I think that's where we also miss um, some of Scott Dan's leadership. Um, you know, I feel like Dan would have more of more of a say on Kelly, sort of sorting himself out, uh, sort of to, you know, deal with the Mara's threat. Um, that leadership has been lacking across our back line in Dan's absence. Terence, should you go along with that, or uh, you know, really, should these we be expecting more of these players? Um, whether Scott Dan was on the field or not for Martin Kelly, I don't think it would have made a difference. One thing that's certain, when Martin Kelly retires, there's no way that he's going on Strictly Come Dancing because <laughs> he, he, he doesn't know what to do with his feet whatsoever. Mara's just tied him up in knots over and over and um, it's a bit embarrassing to watch at times, really. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I'll go along with that. I, we, we look weak. We look weak in those positions. And we start, we start looking at... Um, like you say before, the business we 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 did in January, if not bringing in another another defender, um, uh, that's got to be on the cards. Oh God, got yeah. Cards. You you said last week, didn't you? Did I, I listened to a pod? I can't. I think it might have been the um the preview that you know bring any Palace player back from the past, and a couple of people have said left backs or right backs because that's yeah, where we need to fill the hole. Yeah, no, that, that was that was that was Nick and Nick and Terence said that. Um, I didn't. I didn't yeah. go for a fallback, but I know what you mean. It's. It is. It's. Look, it seems a fairly obvious thing to say at the moment. It really does. But, um, I. I you know, I'm not. I, I, of course, he's out of position. Okay, so he's either a right back or occasionally a centre back, Martin Kelly. So he is playing out of position. But we've seen him play a lot better than he currently is. Um, it's. It's a real concern. Um, but again, it's. It's hard just to just to point at him as 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 a defence as a whole. You know, there is a problem in there at the moment. The problem is. We're trying to play out from the back. So we've got the keeper who's going to give ball, the ball to the defenders when they're in, you know, when they're under pressure. Everyone knows what we're going to do because we've said it in enough press conferences for some reason. We want to tell everyone what we're going to do. So what we're going to do is roll the ball out to the defence and try and play out from the back. So immediately they know what they need to do. They need to press our players 
pushed them into making either a poor pass or pushed them. Effectively, what they need to do is isolate Damian Delaney so he has to play a long ball, which he will do because he's not stupid. He's not going to get caught in possession. He's going to play it long because that's that's the percentage ball. That's the, the best option for him if he's completely isolated from a pass. So, and that, that changes who the team we are. It changes the way we play. And then you see what we get. We get two games in a row where we're frustrated watching Benteke try to make something of a long ball up to him over and over and over again. But where that changed yesterday, where we had good spells, is because Kabai was occasionally dropping deep to make that extra man, just, just to give us that little bit of a foothold. Just to, But his, his whole thing, and he said it after the game, I, I kind of knew what he was talking about. He said short passing, passing and moving. And it's the moving part we don't get. We, we play a pass and then that's it. The pass is played and there's no real movement to try and put yourself in a position to receive it properly. Um, it's a bit like playing FIFA clubs with uh, with Mikey and DR at the moment, I tell you. Um, that, was, that was a little private comment just for me, really. Mikey will be fuming in the background. Anyway, look, I've, I've rounded on long enough about what the issues were there. So That was um, four and a half minutes without taking a breath, Chris. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm furious, to be honest with you, because okay. it came out of that and a lot of people were really positive and I'm a positive guy usually. You know, I like to I like to support the manager, I like to support the players, but I felt that the kind of, oh, let's not worry about it, let's remain calm. I think that's the problem. We did remain calm and we, we played that game in such a calm manner that we were out for. We were, we were outrun. We were, you know, until we actually started putting the urgency into the game, and you could argue that Leicester had sat back at that time, but until we put urgency into the game, we were second best. Uh, you know, and we can't be second best in terms of effort. We can get beaten by a better team. Being second best in terms of effort is infuriating uh, for me as a Palace fan. Sorry, um, I'm absolutely dominating this uh, <laughs> too much. Nick, Nick Philpott, you help. Yeah, I will do because, I mean, it was that just after that early stage when uh, we actually enjoyed some sort of possession. The frustrating and Chris, I do get your frustration because it got so my frustration got so bad at the end of the game. I actually went off and did something else, okay, because it was it was just getting me down. But the frustrating thing for me during the whole game was, and we were talking about the possession, is our passing. It was going, it was like going back to the Jedinak days that we couldn't string more than two passes together. If we played somebody else in, he lost the ball. On came Leicester, and that's the bit that was. I mean. Okay, I don't think we did play massively badly yesterday. I've seen us play a lot worse, and I think the West Ham game was worse. But our possession, our our standard in possession, especially in midfield with uh, Kabai and um, Joe Ledley, was poor. It it wasn't great. Hang on a second. Uh, Really? Yeah. I think that. Honestly, I think... The whole team's passing accuracy was 80%, and Ledley and Kabai were both up towards 90%. We it just gave see- away the ball. The only the only person who dragged down our passing percentage was Townsend. We looked after the ball quite well, I thought, except from when we kept hitting long to Benteke. Those were the times that made it a bit more difficult. I didn't think we struggled to keep the ball. I think they pressed as well, but I thought for the I thought we did quite well under the press with the passing a lot better than we did against West Ham. Yeah, but they were then pressing us on, and then uh, it was very uncharacteristic of Jimmy Mack. Jimmy Mack was caught in possession two or three times in that first half. Yeah, and it's very, it's very unlike him. And um, it was quite funny. I had a friend, um, a German friend, who came to his first ever Premier League game. And um, he said, who should I be looking out for? And I said, James MacArthur. So I think I've got the kibosh on him from the start. <laughs> but um, no, it was, it was uncharacteristic of him to get caught in possession because usually his feet are good enough to get him out of it. But I've, I thought mo- mostly we looked after the ball quite well. 
I would say um, uh, to sort of jump in kind of in the middle of that opinion, either side of that opinion, I would say fair proportion of Ledley's passes, accurate passes, were to Kabai. Um, <laughs> just just because he was you the can, one who you went, can only pass to what's in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right, but or slightly to the side of you. <laughs> <laughs> But but that's to me that's uh, that's that was the key thing. It was, and again I don't I just, I'm not trying to blow smoke up Kabai's ass because you know he, he he's he's not been great for us of late. And it's interesting to hear him talk about the fact you don't he feels he's getting his fitness back now because you know that's that's a little bit of an insight into why he didn't start a bit quicker early on in the season and how much fitness he lost over the course of the Euros and all that kind of stuff. So it's a bit of a you know a bit of a clue there why he hadn't been playing and why Pardew took a lot of stick for that. But um, but I thought yesterday he showed how to play that style. You know, he was he was significantly everywhere. You know, and that's what we've been praising MacArthur for. But while MacArthur struggled, Kabai didn't. He didn't struggle at all. And when he did misplay a pass, it was because really he he had a lack of options around him, and he had to play uh, play along. And there was one when he swept it out wide towards Zaha. I remember rightly, just went straight out of play. But but there wasn't too much other than that that he actually missed. Uh, anyway, Mr. Mr. Gillard, you've got something in chat, in chat, I believe. Yeah, I have. Wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Um, Call Eagle says that Kelly's positional play is terrible. That's why he was pulled off at Sunderland. Um, and that we need to score in these 25-minute good patches um, and it will change the game. Um, Boo, I don't know who he is, um, said, how many times will we say we were overrunning midfield? How many times will we say that we simply aren't a passing side? But there you go. And somebody's mentioned uh, Mandanda, Addington Eagle, giving the ball away early on, which could have yeah. cost us. Let's talk. Let's talk goalkeepers, uh, Terence. Uh, Mandanda's taken a bit of stick from some areas on uh, on his performance. I was quite astonished to see a couple of people suggest that he's no different to Hennessy. But <laughs> it did. But it did occur to me that if Hennessy had conceded the second goal. That he would have got stick for it. I mean, absolutely guaranteed. I think I probably would have given, given him stick for it. What did you think? What for conceding a goal where a player jumps in front of your eye line and deflected it into the corner past your dive? Yeah. Stick, stick for that. It's ridiculous. But um, I saw people saying earlier that he consistently gives the ball away. Uh, he par- his pass accuracy is 62%. If you want to compare that to Hennessy, Hennessy's at 30% when he plays. And we can only assume that Julian Sproni would have been lower. But um, so the the idea that he gives the ball away is ridiculous. He gave the ball away once in a scenario where it, it was it was just poor, you know. Um, but people make people are going to make mistakes in that sense. He doesn't give the ball away consistently. In fact, he helps us keep the ball twice the amount that Hennessy did when he was playing. So that argument's nonsense. I also saw the argument about he doesn't dive. Um, obviously, they're referring to the goal against Everton where the wall didn't jump and. If a free kick is going in the middle part of the goal from about 22 or 23 yards out, the wall has made a very big error in not jumping. And he hasn't died for Moose's goal because the ball's round the other side of the defender. Again, he's completely blindsided, can't see the ball, and he's got no chance if he dives anyway. What do people want to see him do? Dive and and be two yards away from it still? What's the point? Yeah, it's a strange one. Funnily enough, you know, he doesn't dive very often because he often doesn't need to because he's in the right place. You know, a lot. Of the, it's funny to see a lot of shots go straight at him, but it's because he's already there. He's already anticipated it. 
and, um, and, and, so. and sorry chris and people just you know they want to say what suits them no no one's mentioned the fact that he pulled off a world-class save from mares in in the 94th minute and no, yeah, no one no one wants to talk about saving a, a smashed volley from eight yards away no one talks about that everyone wants to talk about oh there was a deflection off delaney or oh, he didn't dive for moose's goal even though if he did dive he wouldn't have got anywhere near it it's just uh, it's ridiculous there you go. Strong, strong defence of Steve Mondanda from uh, from Terence. There, uh, Jack, you want to talk a little bit about Townsend? Yeah, um, a lot of excitement when he sort of came in, but I'm I'm still kind of thinking when's he going to get started? Um, often goes in games, doesn't get much tension. Um, I thought um, yesterday a lot wasn't happening for him, but if that's not happening, he switched wings with Zaha. Still didn't happen for him. He's got to go looking for the ball. Go looking. for or some chances to make, but at the moment he's just I mean, he's been a bit disappointing. Um, he hasn't really pl- replaced Balassi, um, not as powerful when he's going forward at the moment. But I would just love to see him sort of pop up with a few more goals or even just create some good chances. I think the best bit that he did um, was sort of swish the ball a couple of times yesterday. I don't, I just don't think he was good enough. I think he needs to start upping his game a little more. It's an interesting one with Townsend because I, I was reading a few opinions on him because again I, I felt a little disappointed with his. Uh, contribution in, in an attacking sense, but I thought he was excellent tracking back. Uh, did, a, did his defence work really well? And I, I wonder if because that's something you used to get criticised a lot for, and I do wonder if perhaps you know adding adding a bit of you know uh, defensive play to his game has sort of sort of stifled him a little bit in an attacking sense, maybe. Like, yeah, I mean, be. I mean, it's nice it's nice that you can track back, but we've brought someone in to score goals and create chances for us. At the moment, he's just not doing that. And if we had a good winger on the bench and waiting, I'm pretty sure that Zaha, uh, sorry, Townsend, um, would be on the bench for a bit. I think Nick and Terence want to speak uh, on, on the same subject as well. Definitely Nick, because he's making lots of sighing noises. Nick? Yes, yeah. yes, I said I wouldn't, didn't I? Um, Townsend was tracking back so well, and so's Wilf. That's why Leicester moved Mares in. Okay, and when Townsend did, did get forward a couple of times, I thought he he tried to go for glory and shoot when there was a better ball in. I feel, but when we did get the ball in, we created the chances. You know, it must be said we were just unlucky. There were six shots on target. Michael yeah, made some good saves. It could have been three all. Yeah, and I did think that, and I did I did count the chances where we should have done better. Obviously, there was Benteke's header, which I don't not criticism really because he was just a little bit unlucky. Really good strong header, just didn't drop quite uh, quite as quickly as he would have liked. But he also missed a one on one. You had uh, Zaha had a good chance at the <coughs> post, but the ball to him was a little bit behind him. Uh, otherwise, I think he would have taken that um, a little bit quicker. I think uh, Kabai had sort of two bites at the cherry just before he scored. Actually, maybe he should have scored a scored a goal there. So, you know, and, and yes, we had other chances as well. So, arguably, yeah, we could have scored more. But bottom line is we didn't. And we didn't take our chances. And as was said at the, uh, the sort of top of the show, maybe that's really where we've, uh, where the game's been lost. Pardew certainly felt it turned on the uh, on the fact that Venteke's chance didn't go in. Um, Terence, you want to go back on Townsend? Yeah, uh, well, talking about the Benteke chance not going in, um, we shouldn't be that fragile, I don't think, mentally to say that. Um, we'll let we'll let a big chance. Well, it's not even a big chance. He's really just made a good header, and he's very unlucky. But you can't say that your confidence can completely go to the result. But on Townsend, it was so it was so mixed from him. Like he just, as you say, he's been tracking back. And uh, Pardew said uh, a while back in a in an interview that if Townsend continues to track back, he'll stick through him 
if even when he's lost a bit of form attacking wise. So on at no point do I expect to see Townsend get pulled out of the team. But he he gave away half of his passes yesterday, which was um pretty poor and he and a lot of crosses as well, ten crosses, but only two of them completed. So he struggled a bit he struggled a bit at times and at other times he showed flashes of what he's capable of. But um it definitely needs to be of a more consistent variety for me. Yeah, see, I, I, yeah, I completely get, I, I get that, and I do get frustrated when when he shoots. And I think he could have put the ball in, but then the other part of me thinks I can. It's not that long ago where we did everything but shoot in games. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you remember that? Particularly where we yeah. had Kabai up top. Where sorry, not Kabai. Okay, now Shamak, my brain's gone. Uh, when we had Shamak up front, he would only shoot if he was absolutely one hundred percent certain that there was a chance he would score. And it's just like sometimes you've got to have a go. So I quite, I like that Townsend has a go. It's and I, and I would like to see Wilf do that a bit more. But there's got to be a healthy balance and there's got to be logic in that decision-making. You don't want to see, well, I'm, I'm Andrus Townsend, so I'm just going to shoot. You don't want to see that. But you also don't want to see him force himself out of his natural game because when players do that, that's when they really struggle for form. Um, if you're trying to make a player something he's not, then you've bought the wrong player, uh, in, in my view. So, How many women have we been out that tried to do that to us, eh, Chris? Try yeah. and make us something we're not. Hey, hey, they never learn, do they, Nick? Hey? Yeah. <laughs> we don't learn, though, do we? <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why we've turned it. It was before the show as well. We were turning it into a 1970s radio show. Uh, Nick Philpott. Um, yeah, just finishing up on the uh, Townsend thing, because I think of what Terence said actually made sense. Yeah, he's tracking back. Yeah, we know that what we got here is a quality player. But I don't know if you re- remember during our chat yesterday, I said he needs to man up. There's a couple of occasions where he was he was tracking back uh, shoulder to shoulder with a Leicester player, whoever it was. OK, they, they, they bump shoulders and he goes down to the, like the proverbial sack of usual stuff. Um, he's just... <laughs> The the one thing I liked about Balassi, and I know Balassi's gone and we're over Balassi and everything else, the one thing you had with Balassi he, was his strength, okay? Um, with uh, Townsend, I feel as though he's a bit weak when he's one-on-one with a player. He's technically great, everything else, okay? Even Wilf's, even Wilf's filled out is, if you look at back to the, the videos that we were talking about on the preview pod the other day, when he, when he made his 17-year-old debut, he was a skinny little bloke. Well, Townsend reminds me of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know what you mean. He, he, you know, he's, you know, he isn't, he isn't weak uh, physically, but, but he doesn't. He just, he just plays in that way, doesn't he? He just, he's not, he's not really a battler. Um, he does it. I say he does it more. He does come back and try and win the ball. I've not, I do like the fact that when he does lose it, he really works to get it back. And quite often he'll put, he'll be the one who puts the challenge in to sort of get the ball back. But I don't know. It, it, look, it's, it's difficult. You know, he is in a new team. He's, he's shown what he can do, but against Stoke, he was excellent all game. Um, mm. So we've seen what he's capable of. But yeah, consistency has to has to come quickly. He's an England international. Yeah. We paid a decent amount of money for him. He gets a decent wage every week. So we can't really be having this conversation, you know, sort of latter part of the season where we're still waiting for him to really kick on. It's, uh, it's, it is time for him to sort it out, I think. Um, talking, there's, of, there's a, um, talking of Balassi's strength, he even held off Lukaku on the weekend. Did you see that? Yeah, <laughs> I did. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> you imagine if he missed that. No, <laughs> uh, so uh, you know it's good, good to see him get a get a goal. Happy, uh, Was it? Was it? Was it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a couple of tweets in, oh, boy, mate. Uh, what we got? 
Uh, John Nightingale says, how to play against us? Double up on our wingers because there's nothing coming from us through the middle. No creativity. And I see exactly where John's coming from there. And I'd like to think that Kabai will change that uh, if he gets himself up to full match fitness. Plays like he did. I think he thought he was actually very good against Leicester. Yeah. Um, and and had a good sort of good half against West Ham as well. So more of that. And I think creativity through the middle will come. Um, well, if you look at Zaha talking of that, Doubling up on wingers, Zaha, it just didn't matter yesterday. Oh, um, God, yeah. he, it, it was utterly dominant, regardless of how many you put on him. But obviously, that's not going to be, you can't do that every week. And especially when the quality of the fullback goes up or they, they get a little bit more pace because Lewis is decent. But any time it was a case where Zaha could stand him up, he was gone. But yeah, he's, the, was it John? He's totally, he's totally right. And Kabaya, I thought, was outstanding. And also, what not many people picked up on, I don't think, is we got 90 minutes out of him. And I think that's really, really important and that he can be on the field for as long as possible if he's going to be in the sort of form that he was in yesterday. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Wilf. So, Wilf was, was, was excellent yesterday. How do we make him more effective in, in that position? Because he's able to go past people. He's only able to go past people repeatedly if he wants, you know, before before he does the next thing, which is which is score or, or get an assist. He got an assist yesterday from Kabai breaking through midfield. It was a really good ball across. Is it a simple case of giving him more options, or has it got to come from Wilf? Do you think, Terence? Um, it's definitely it's definitely got to come um, from the options into the box. So Zaha got two assists last season, one assist the season before, and two the season before that. He's already got two this year, so he's already equaled his best ever season in terms of assists. Um, and obviously, we know that's not good enough. But for most of those seasons, he's been. If you think of the quality of striker he's been aiming at, it's not been overly high. Um, especially if you look at last season in terms of just never really being able to play someone consistently at the top of the field. Uh, getting more options in the area uh, is obviously helping this season. You've got Ben Teke, who's a great target to aim at anyway, and MacArthur and Kabai, as he was when he was on the pitch yesterday, are popping up in the area, making late runs, and it gives him that extra option. And it also means the defence is a little bit more stretched. So if you keep putting Wilf in those positions and keep getting in that sport into the penalty area, then his number's going to be a lot better this season. And there's also the fact that he's now 23 years old. He's got a couple of hundred games under his belt. Maybe he's just starting to figure it out a little bit now. As, as, sorry, as Gerald would, Gerald would say many times, if you cross it, we will score now. <laughs> well, we've got a good chance of scoring and that's what we've got to do. It's the baddest way. So for me, Wilf has got to master the lofted cross when running at pace. That's literally the only thing. If he's, he can put a decent lofted ball in if he's if he's not running at pace, which we've we've seen uh, from Benteke's first goal for Palace. What, um, uh, what buttons is that on FIFA then? <laughs> I think it, it's just it's just B. Oh, sorry, no, everyone else uses X. I use alternate controls on the uh, Xbox, but it is just oh. the long pass button from uh, from outside on the wing. Uh, just help you out there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's that's all it is. But when running at pace, invariably his crosses. They either hit the first man if he hits them in, in that area, or he pulls them back along the ground, which, which, are, which is a good option to have. And it, you know, it's, it's got us a goal yesterday. But I just, I would like to see him work a little bit on that, and I'm sure he does. Um, there's an interesting conversation going on, on Twitter that started with um, with Lucy of this parish. There's a really weird sound going on in the background. Is it, Nick, is it some sort of item of equipment at your house? Make sure to put the kettle on. Hang on, I'll put on mute for a minute. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks. It's just, just like any other radio show when someone puts the kettle on. <laughs> Brilliant. 
So, uh, <laughs> so Luce actually tweeted in regarding. Uh, it started actually started off with um, well, a comment on uh, defend on Martin Kelly. She said Kelly hasn't been playing in the right position. I think he'd be better if he was. Uh, Nav jumped in and said, given that Ward has been better in the Premier League at left back rather than right back, why aren't they swapped? Uh, then that conversation went on to include a few other people, like uh, for example, Lynn, uh, who said that was under Tony Pulis. He was he, uh, he was coached to improve it, not sure it work with the current lot. And Phil then jumped in and said we were generally better, sorry, more organised and defensively better as a unit under Pulis. I don't think switching the two is the answer to our problems. Jack, I'll bring you in on that if I may. Um, would would you prefer to see, given the current options that we have, would you prefer to see Kelly at right back and Ward at left back? I think I think Kelly would appreciate being at right back. He didn't look very comfortable yesterday on the left. Hasn't done so this season a bit more. And Ward's played left back, right back. He, he for me, I don't think he'll have much of a problem playing on the left as much as Kelly does. I just think you know it'd be nice for Kelly to sort of have a go in his normal position. But under Pulis, the organisation was amazing. Like anyone could play anywhere on the back line. I, we, this season, it's really frustrating. Um, we just don't look to be defending as a team it looks quite individual often goals individual errors and there's no one there to sort of sort of double up and help out I just think the lack of defensive organisation is really frustrating and to not keep a clean sheet for I can't remember how long it's been now it feels like forever um, which is really frustrating to be always conceding goals knowing that we have to outscore the opposition by two or three more goals if we're going to you know get something from the game yeah no I agree I'm, I'm all for, for trying something a little different because well, over that, you've got to bite the bullet and stick Zeki in at left back and, and see how he gets on, um, for, you know, for 90 minutes rather than keep bringing him on at half time or whatever. Um, just to, just a quick comment. Nick's wife said, uh, "Don't your public want to know that you're real in regards to Nick having the kettle in the background?" Or shot and quite don't know what I think about that, Mr. Philpott. What do you think about the fullback positions? Would it worth a swap? Uh, I think it probably could be. I mean, uh, we touched on a point the other night, and I was. Um, Something I'm a little bit concerned about is that being the 25-man squad, we need to have a a reserve, a quality reserve to enable us to for them to step in at any point. Um, and it worries me with the likes of Kelly, with the likes of Zeki. Yeah, do we have that Premiership quality? Uh, I know Pardew alluded to the other day that uh, he's got, or uh, Paris said he's got a couple of big names that he's looking at for the January window. Well, I hope he's got a long shopping list because, frankly, I think we need it. Uh, Terence, I know you wanted to make a point on this. Yeah, everyone's talking about Pulis. You need, obviously, you need to strike the balance somewhere between the two. We can't defend like we did under Pulis because we're not playing... The fullbacks played so narrow, they was basically playing four centre-backs. And the wingers would also come back and defend a bit more. And you had two people in the size of, like, Jednak and KG, who were also dropping into the penalty area as well. So you could afford to play more narrow, take more crosses into the box and get those clear. Obviously, we don't have as many numbers in the box now, and that means we're better going forward. So we need to strike a balance there somewhere. I'm not sure what it is. Um, but switch switch Kelly to right back, Wall to left back. Wall, Wall can just about play at right back at the moment. I, um, it gets touched on by people every now and then. I just don't, I think he's stagnated. I don't. Every now and then, I think, oh, like you look at his game at Everton. Oh, is Joel Wood making a comeback? And then he just goes and puts in performances like he has in the last couple of games. Yeah, it's a strange one with Joel. It's, um, I again, I think he he suffers from being a little bit one paced at times. In that, you you kind of we we do need a bit more, and that's again that's why we brought uh, Soiree in because you know he's a lot of things. Perhaps why he's a bit of a 
you know, an enigma in a lot of ways. He can he can have an absolute mare at, at left back at times, and he can be absolutely superb. But one thing he has got is a lot of pace, and I do think we need to have pace in both those positions. And and some of the most successful teams in the Premier League have pace at the, in the fullback positions. I mean, you look at what Cresswell did uh, for for West Ham against us. How um, how much he gets up and down that flank. We need people like that in those positions. You know, Suarez. Yes. I, I have faith that he can do it. He can um, Suarez can really drive forward. <laughs> is, is that too soon? Is that, is that too soon? Uh, You're a just, sad man. You're a sad man. That's just about acceptable on the time frame because he's all right, but uh, that's borderline. Uh, I'm going to oh, just just yeah. going to address you with this question, uh, Nick Philpot. Um, what's causing our lack of urgency? Because to me, that's what's happened with both defeats against West Ham and the defeat against Leicester in that we we have not had our foot on the gas at the start of the game we've we've looked slow and ponderous my gut feeling is we're being told that we're trying to control a game and we have to be calm in possession we have to play the right ball and we're allowing ourselves to be to be uh, out for as a result what's, what's your view well, I think uh, Jack made a good point that uh, it's how frequently are we going behind in games? It's it's every week now. We've, there's there's nothing. I can't remember the last time we actually went on in front and won a game from that from that position. Um, somebody just interestingly said something that's relevant on Twitter that there was a big hole on in the centre of our team yesterday in the shape of Jason Punchin. Um, yeah. He would have given us the impetus to maybe push on, as you as you quite rightly say. But it's, it is something that we're going to have to address. It, we've got to stop falling behind. We've got to stop conceding. Uh, it's, it could potentially end up costing us, I don't think it will, but it, can, it could end up potentially costing us our place in the Premier League. Yeah, I was going to lead us into the next section of our chat with that tweet from Gazpod. Thanks for ruining that, Nick. Uh, yeah, Jack, do you, want to, do you want to talk a little bit more about the style of play? You know, going, going behind um, and then teams can sort of just sort of defend, defend their lead a bit more makes it really difficult for us because we'll get the ball, sort of pass it out from the back, get into midfield. Our midfielders will look up ahead of them and they'll see static striker, static winger and just a sea of defenders. And that's really hard to break down. Also, this style of play is quite new, so I, I think Pardew and the team should be allowed a little more time before we can sort of really start to criticise how they're playing because this isn't something that we've ever done before. We've always been a team that sits back, gets it wide, sprints up, crosses. Um, I just think we do have to give um, the side a little bit more time to see if they can really make something of this new style of play. No, that's fair. And Pardew said it himself, is that he said it's going to cost us in some games. But I think the worry is that it's easy to be diplomatic and sort of say, OK, fair enough, it, it cost us in this game, it cost us a little bit against West Ham, but, you know, we've got we've got plenty of other games to play, but then you actually look at those games, particularly the run-of-home games that we've got, and it's, it's a concern when we haven't picked up points, you know, against a few, few other teams we play. because, let's face it, when you look at uh, West Ham as a team, how they've been playing, and in fact, how the game went against us, we, we should have got something. And when you look at Leicester as a team as well, and, and how how they played and how we know we're capable of playing. I can't help but feel we should have got something there, a point. No, uh, I they... disagree. Disagree you, completely. You can disagree. You can disagree. Right, can I give you two reasons why we were never going to win that game? Number one, it would have been disrespectful to the King of Thailand, <laughs> as they kept telling us around the edge of the pitch. So, you know, we, we, we can, really can't win that game anyway on that front because we'll, we'll cheese off a whole nation. Secondly, they're the champions 
don't be you it's it's annoyed me when you've been so blase about palace going to the league champions and saying oh we should have at least got a point no That's not against the league champions and they have they they hit their mojo they really hit their mojo and and unfortunately it was poor old palace that got it yeah there were defensive mistakes that 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 made it happen but they were back to their Leicester best we handed them that initiative by the way we played by the way we set up we played against them like teams played against them 22 last shots season. Chris don't interrupt me <laughs> 22 <laughs> shots if that ain't having times? a go I don't know what is that's the point that's exactly what I said it's like you weren't even listening earlier on you think about other stuff like what jokes you can make and crap like that look the whole point was <laughs> by taking the game to them we played precisely into the game plan that they have we, we are and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Our stats from that game could have been any number of teams that oh. went to went to the King the Power Stadium. Is, don't fucking interrupt me. I will. I will because you've said it before. You don't need to say it again. Okay. Right. We are in a period of transition. Pardew has said that. It's transition. And we are in transition. We'll get we'll get some left backs. We're not gonna go down this year. I don't know. Who said we were gonna go down this year? I don't think we'll go down this no. year. Nick, it is lazy just to say that because we played the champions, we had no hope of winning. It is lazy to say that because I qualified my statement by saying if you look at how the team played, if you look at what we're capable of, we could have got something from that game. I didn't say we should have expected to beat the champions, did I? But it doesn't really matter that they're champions. They're not going to be champions this year. They're a much more ordinary team this year, in my view. And I feel that had we done ourselves justice, had we played with the urgency that we should have played with, we were more than capable of getting something out of that game. Terence, you may go next because you said so in the chat. Yeah, um, <laughs> Jack, Jack said about seeing static uh, striker and static wingers in front. I think that's really harsh. I think that that was definitely the case last season. I think we struggled to break teams down, especially at home, and it was obvious. Uh, teams could just sit two banks of, of four and a five in front of us and we'd have no creativity. This season, we definitely are, are creating chances. I think we created enough chances yesterday to win the game or at least get a point out of it. And I think we created chances in the West Ham game as well. We, we got a penalty, we hit the post, you know, Conor Wickham had a great chance at the end of it, which we're finding ways to unlock the teams now. It's not, obviously, we, we haven't turned into Man City overnight and you can unlock teams at will. But I, I definitely think there is a sense now that we can 
we can get through teams. And it's obviously a lot of it is to do with Benteke because you have the long option and then the or the short option, so you can you're opening up more space in 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 between the lines because of Benteke. But you know that's what that's what he's there to do. And I, f- I feel like it's just a little bit harsh to say that we that we're, we're idealists when it comes when we go behind. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair comment. Um, I do, but I do also think that where we are opening up that space, we kind of need people to be in it. Um, where we that's where we've suffered a little bit as well because of, I, I do feel we we have a bit of an issue with movement of, of late, and, the, and again that that goes defensively as well. There's a couple of things. I mean, when Okazaki scores the second, I think Jack, you alluded to it earlier when you see our players sort of jogging towards it. The ball sort of drops, and I think probably Joe Ledley's our nearest player to it. And he sort, he sort of turns and jogs. And by the time he realises that Okazaki's screaming at it like a madman, it's way too late and he's nowhere near getting there. He may never have got there anyway, but you've got to be switched on from, from moment one. He was remembering his wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> are we <laughs> going down the Joel Ward excuse route, are we? <laughs> uh, no, look, you don't, you don't want to unnecessarily lay in the players and all that kind of stuff. It is difficult, but... I, I, just, I, I do honestly point to certain areas of that game and I just say if we were more switched on, if we were more at the races, it's a, and that's a fairly generic way of putting it, but that that's what's cost us more than anything, more, more than any ability, more than anything tactically. It's just being a, just being aware of what, what you're supposed to do. But, you know, as, as Gazbord uh, said on Twitter earlier on, you know, we also really did uh, miss Jason Punchin and he, he was due on the show today, but... Um, he wasn't able to make it, but we just—I wanted to get gel, uh, gel, gel on the show and try and find out what he thought about uh, about Jason punching. How good he's punching! <laughs> uh, um. So yes, um, so uh, who, who, who wants to jump in on this then? Because I, I've talked about my uh, my man love for Jason punching a number of times, but I, I just felt we were really, really struggling without his. I could just thought—I don't know who who he'd come in for. So maybe that's the. A place to ask that, that, that question, Nick. That, that's the thing, isn't it? Is it Kabai? Because Kabai and Punction in the same team, same old discussions. If, if Kabai could, as somebody said earlier, dropped a bit deeper into that Punction role, maybe they, they wouldn't have undone us as much. Um, he's, because he's been a different player this season, hasn't he, Punction? And but do we know why he was left out? Was he injured or? Yeah, injured. Yeah. Oh, that's not good then. Um, but he he gets forward. It's, it's just finding a way to get Kabai and Punction to work because you do need MacArthur's industriousness in there, don't you? Well, I, I think I think Led- Ledley must must make room for Punction. I quite like I do like Kabai sitting a little bit deeper. I think the way that he breaks up and intercepts play is very underrated, um, and sort of he can sort of start attacks from a little bit deeper with Punction going further forward and giving that a bit more support for Benteke up the pitch. That's, that's a fair point, and, but I, I mean, I would like to see that three. I would like to see that three of of Punch and Kabai, and uh, and Macarthur. But I think the only trouble with it is, without unless they're disciplined enough to to always have someone sitting doing the screening role, then you kind of do need that specialist in there. That, that's that's Joe Ledley um, against many many teams. Not every team, but but most of them. So I think Kabai can do that, but. I'd like to see him have the freedom to get forward and, you know, get in between the lines of attack and, uh, and midfield as well and all that kind of stuff. And I think Punchin does that really well as well. He can sit deep at times, but he also does really well getting in between the lines. 
dropping out wide sometimes. And the same for MacArthur. Well, MacArthur, he is, he's, he's box to box and he likes to cover every blade of grass on that pitch as well. So the only question is whether or not having those three, you can hold any kind of, of sensible shape. Do you think it's doable, Nick, Philpott? I think it is. I mean, the, my, I thought when we uh, first signed Kabai that he would be the sort of player that playing just off behind the uh, striker, a bit like the punch and roll that we're used to anyway. But actually, uh, I think, again, Jack's quite right, that he's he can spray the ball out from just in front of the back four, and that's where his strength is, and uh, allowing MacArthur to run on, which is what he's good at. Yesterday, uh, like, I know I've, I said I'm picking on Jimmy Mack, but uh, I, I, I just don't think it was one of his best better games for us. Uh, and MacArthur, uh, um, sorry, uh, Kabai actually had probably one of his strongest games for us. I see what you mean, definitely. Uh, Terence, what's your view on this before we go to Nick with some chatter and stuff? What, my view on Jason Punchin? Well, <laughs> not just Punchin, on how we make that midfield three work if we're going to go with... Can we go with Kabai, uh, Kabai Punchin and uh, MacArthur? Um, are, you, are you ready for this? Yeah. Three, three, five, two. Oh, oh my God! What is Joe? Why? Why have you infiltrated Terence? That sounds wrong, but I stick with that. Well, I think I think it's the only way you can probably make those three work in games where you're playing against better teams, where you'd want someone to screen more, because you'd obviously giving you that extra body in the middle. Uh, it takes a, it, it takes away the fullback issue as well, because you just don't play with any. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but then, well, and I suppose with the way they've been playing, I guess you uh, you can argue that Zaha and Townsend are capable of getting back and doing the defensive work as well. But do you negate them by playing that system? Oh, it would be interesting to uh, give it a go, perhaps. <laughs> I'd... Did we give it a go pre-season and it was horrific? I can't remember. That's... <sighs> I don't know. I'm a plastic. I don't go pre-season games. Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. so I think it was one of the the US games that was being streamed. I'm sure it was. We played. Yeah. Back. No, look, uh, J- Jason Punchin goes into the team for me. He's he's done enough this season to prove that he's taken a step up and he's he's relatively new to playing in the middle of the park you remember when he started doing it towards the back end of Pardew's first season he did really really well and we talked a lot about when teams are actually preparing for him in the centre of the park it makes a difference uh, and, and it did and he and now he's adapted and now he's he's worked out as a plan middle a little bit more he, he dwells on the ball far less than he used to he retains possession a lot better and he's a little bit grittier in there as well now he puts in tackles but uh, I think um, Nick Philpott made a good point there. He's saying you don't really want to take away MacArthur's box to box and put him there. Uh, Kabai showed the sort of damage he can do in the top of the field at points in the game yesterday. So it is a it's an interesting dilemma, and it's a good it's a good one to have. Really, yeah. I don't think I don't I don't think our problems is with our front six. I think our problems with the back four. And when we solve that problem, I think better things will come. Um, I'm going to read a tweet out. I may vomit into my mouth when I, as I read it, though. Uh, it's from someone called Gel. It says, three years, sorry, <laughs> three years I've been saying three, five, two. Now, Terence has finally come out in my way of thinking, hashtag Gel knows. Sorry, it's Bob Hoskins again. Every time he goes Bob Hoskins. It's good at talk. Well, I think it's a bit different now because I'm saying it when we've got the players to do it. <laughs> sorry, 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 Joe, I'm only joking. <laughs> oh, dear. 
anyway, so but does does bringing Dan back into that team and punching back into the team does that solve the problems, Mister Gillard? Answer that and then give me some chat room stuff. I don't know. I, I like Punk. He's been so good this season. I'm, I was gutted that he was injured. Well, I didn't know he was injured. I thought he'd been left out. So how much research I did for the show coming in last minute for gel again. Um, he's just added something. He's just, he wants to win games. That, again, that was the difference between Leicester and Palace yesterday. Is they wanted everything. We just weren't going for it as much as them. They wanted every ball. They, they had more vigour. I reckon, and us, and and again, that was the difference between the t- teams yeah. and the death of the King of Thailand, which we <laughs> yeah, of course respect. can't can't forget that, can we? That's, um, that's true. Oh, okay, what's going on in the chat apart from obviously people saying it was all the King of Thailand's fault for dying? Um, well, we're going back to the transition. Uh, cool Eagle eighty nine has said that it takes a lot to change from years of compact defence, no possession, counter attack. To a team with possession and the goal to break teams down, especially at home. I think he means away there. So I think people are expecting things overnight, is what he's saying. But others are saying, and I can't uh, tell you who it was, I can only tell you from memory that others were saying transition my arse is just using that as an excuse when we lose. <laughs> There's a bit of cynicism there, I think, yeah. But, you know, it's certainly, you know, whatever happens, it isn't an excuse. You know, you've got to get into the business of winning games as well. It's, uh, you know, the, the stakes are way too high. Um, so, you, as a manager, he's got to manage through that transition. So that's that's the bottom line. Um, I think we've, I think we've, sorry, just go back on the project. I think we just, we do need to respect the fact that he is currently overseeing the most successful period in our club's history. I mean, he got us to the cup final last year, kept us in the Premier League again. So, everything last year, job done. It's just, if he can now make this transition work, and like he was talking about, in all of his media bits last week, if he can make that transition work and then leave a legacy, um, I think he will, you know, be remembered as one of the best managers we've had at this club if he can do that. Yeah, <laughs> five, five wins in thirty-one. Yeah, I was going to say there is a flip side to that. First of all, I, I do, I do agree with the sentiment, and although I'm sure Copper would point to to finishing third in the league and say that's that's success, you know, you've got to achieve that as well. Uh, but I do, I do agree, and I do like the talk of legacy. But you've got to be a bit mindful, you know. Simon Jordan also talked about leaving a legacy behind. I'm not sure what he left behind. He had it quite what he had in mind, but uh, but he, le- he, le- he left behind the poor cabins. <laughs> he did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. Bless him. Yeah, like, I'm not going to stick in too much. I'm not Simon Jordan. He lost an awful lot of money trying to fund a dream. So, but there you go. He certainly he, he had a legacy on his mind and didn't quite get there. So, and Pardew's got to be mindful of that as well. Um, and they've said the same thing um, that you you mentioned, Terence. Uh, but you asked it in this way, is there a manager around who's won five games in 31 and then managed to turn it around and be a success at the club, at that club? And uh, that would take an awful lot of research. I haven't done to answer that in a, in a truthful way, but I would be surprised if it was the case. Uh, uh, Dario Grady managed Q, crew for so long that must have happened sometime during that <laughs> yeah. long period. Yeah, that's a good point. So I'd go for him. Good shout. We'll see if we'll, uh, we'll look that up later on. I absolutely won't. I've got better things to do, but... Uh, Nigel, Nigel Clough at Forest, the, uh, Brian Clough, sorry, he must have done it. Yeah. He used to get re- relegated and promoted and win European Cups. Just, you know, <laughs> s- seemingly a whim. <laughs> uh, DR uh you'll know him as our voice of the Ute um, fam. He says, uh, Pardew's nowhere near best manager, uh, best Palace manager of all Sorry, I've had too much beer today. <laughs> near best Palace manager of all time. We nearly got relegated last season. Cup run kept him his job. 
So uh, he's a very, very harsh critic, is DR, but a lot of people will, will understand where he's coming from there because there's a lot of pressure on Pardew from certain areas at the moment. Yeah, but he don't rate punching, so he can do one. He doesn't rate his, his, his weak foot, does it? That's his main thing. He <laughs> likes punching, but he doesn't think he has a... He has a right foot as a source of his continuous arguments with Patrick. Then I lost my shoe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if it was a shoe from his right foot. Anyway, um, so there's a suggestion that was mentioned earlier on by by Nick that Palace have got two big targets for January. So, gentlemen, what positions slash what suggestions do you have? Um, I'm guessing everyone's going to start talking about the fullback positions again. But I'll start with you, Jack. Um, what are you hoping in terms of business in the January window? Because I think probably like us, it's probably key we get this right. For us so if I, was, if I was Steve Parrish or Alan Pardew right now, I'd be trying with uh, Carl Jenkinson and Morgan Schneidlin, the two names that I came up with. Um, I think Jenkinson will offer great cover of the back line. He can go left back, right back, uh, centre back. Um, very decent winger. Had a bit of, bit of a tricky spell last season, but on the whole... It was okay, and he could be a good option if it was someone to provide cover or someone who's going to push sort of Joe Ward to be in the first team. Um, I think that'd be good. And I thought Schneider as well. I do feel like we miss sort of a, a large, larger sort of more defensive um, style midfield. I don't think we've replaced Jednak at all, and I think Schneider coming in there would offer that kind of play we talked about earlier. That would be able to sort of screen the back line and bring the ball forward. So that's my two. But I, I'll tell you what I kept forgetting about when I was thinking about this yesterday because I mentioned on I think the previous show I mentioned that. Felt we were perhaps a central midfielder short, and I saw on the bench yesterday. I remembered Flamini's there. Yeah, I thought that as well. I saw I saw him um, on the bench. Completely forgot that we signed him. I don't I don't know what impact he's had so far. I think I can only assume that that he is quite far short of match fitness because obviously he didn't have a club um, until well into the season. Uh, so, but maybe just maybe there there is still an option there from within the from within the team. But anyway, you know I appreciate uh, appreciate your comments there, uh, Terence. What about yourself? Um, I would like to sign Sergio Ramos and David Alaba, please. Okay, uh, that that sort us right out. <laughs> the dogs outside the, my window in my garden seem very angry about that for some reason. Uh, so apologies if you heard that. Nick uh, <laughs> Philpot, Terence is uh, Terence has gone for it there in terms of the fullbacks. What do you reckon? Well, clearly budget is no issue, is it? Um, I think before. I'd rather wait until we see what we get out of Remy first before, because I'm a bit of an advocate of the 4-4-2 system anyway. Uh, can Remy play alongside Benteke? I hope he does. Uh, but I also like Jack's shout on Jenkinson as well. Um, failing that, if Remy doesn't work out, because he's only on loan, we, we get another striker up. Of, up course, of course you like 4-4-2 because you're ancient. <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't leave it alone. Could you? you couldn't go one show without it, could you? You nearly got through it. You nearly got through the show. You nearly without. got through the whole show without doing the ageist bit. Okay. <laughs> oh, Mr. Gillard, you got anything to add? Well, fullback's got to be January window. When's Suarez back? Is he out for the whole season? But even yeah. then, it's going to take him a while, isn't it? Um, if I could have one player, I'd have Klein back, but that ain't going to happen, is it? No, unfortunately not. No, but, you know, hopefully we're uh, we're doing a bit of work. But you know, the suggestion is we're going after a couple of big names. I don't know what that necessarily means or how that translates or how far afield we're looking. But given that we were we were working in the window to spend more than we spent, uh, I, I think it's it's an interesting time for us. Uh, I think I, I do, I, 
so, I think um, there's been talk about uh, Chung Young Lee in the paper today going to uh, China. And is, uh, do you not think that putting Campbell on the head of Wickham yesterday was a bit of a let's see if we can get him a goal that can get him a move in January? We'll try and send him. <laughs> That's something that I was going to suggest we talk about in our, our, our pod intro, outro sort of thing. Talk about the substitutions, because I know it's something Jack wanted to talk about. Uh, so we'll, we'll bring that back up in, uh, in that context. But in the context of putting him in the shop window, that's that's a great shout. Uh, I mean, certainly there was interest in him in the previous window. I think there was interest in him from Wolves and a couple of other teams. But as just as an option, it never really materialised. But I'm certain that we, we want to move him out. And I'm certain there's other players we want to move out as well. Um, but I think I think we're all I don't know if anyone would disagree that in terms of squad strength we are still we're still not up we're not up to it up to the level that we of our ambition if you like no. we only kind of just made getting a twenty five in any way didn't we yeah yeah I mean there's obviously there's obviously there's no point having any waste in the twenty five anyway there's no point having a player who, who no, is, isn't out of loan or can't be named feasibly well. Uh, uh, much I, I can't see him playing again unless we're really really desperate sorry Jordan but you know how many have we got in that 25 are realistically not not going to get in it's true it's true but uh, for someone for someone like Chungy I, I, I'm actually I don't know if we get a few a fair few tweets from people saying you know he needs more game time because he's he's done really well this season and I'll go along with that um, and when you look at again you look at yesterday I think an earlier introduction of the energy that he brings actually could have changed that game for us. It really could have done. So someone like him has got to consider himself a little bit unlucky. But having said that, if you go around the majority of fans, in fact, you go, you know, go yeah, around the majority of, of anyone, really, I think in terms of the strength of our side, they're not going to pick Chungy in that first 11. I really don't. Anyone disagree with that? Nope. There you go. There you go. Right. So I think... However well he does, he's never going to be never going to be in the best eleven. So if we've got we can get a price for him and bring in someone who will be, that's the way to do these things. You know, however hard it is to leave someone out of the side that's it's currently a, a you know best eleven player if you like. That's how you progress. That's how you got to do it. Anyway, I'm sure that is a topic that we'll be coming back to plenty. Um, Okay, so we're coming towards the end of the show now, but before we do anything else, let's see how you thought the game went in four-word reviews. Simon Pizzi must take our chances. Dan Quarterbean, that was perfectly awful. Chance dominant. Palace. <laughs> <laughs> dominant. Palace. dominant. Chance <laughs> dominant. That's a great name. Yeah, Fine, I'm Chaz Domino. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa couldn't kill off clappers. Mitch Mitchell, Fraser Campbell, why why? Upcut Bahadia, Foxes, Fuchs, Fox Palace. Mark Callahan, need a plan B. Mark Johnson, clean sheet, one day. Jacqueline Ann Hart, let the slump commence. Molly Butler, Andy King, played dead. Alex Graham, play as a team! <laughs> Trevor Weldon, we didn't play badly. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. 
Right, that is your lot for today. Uh, there will, be, of course, be a little bit of added content regarding our introduction and outro for the podcast. So make sure you subscribe and download that. There'll be Nick's joke of the week. There'll be Nick's some wheels question of the week and some chat around the substitutions and all that kind of stuff. Um, no Fangio content for you this week, of course, but other than just to say cheers to Fangio for continuing to sponsor us and um, be nice if somehow you could make it so I can win. Um, I'm <laughs> rubbish. So, so rubbish at it. But uh, yeah, thank I you won. very much. Well, what? You won, did you? I won £5.40. Yeah, and you spent how much? Tenner. <laughs> <Yeah>. Congratulations. <laughs> So, uh, yes, thank you very much for listening. Do download the podcast and we'll see you again uh, next week. But the preview show, of course, will be out sometime around, well, between Wednesday and Friday by the looks of things. Cheers. Bye. I'm Chaz Dominant. I'm Chaz Dominant. Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football at FanDuel. You select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Opta stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. So, outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise. Every Premier League match day with FanDuel and just for Homestale radio listeners we've got an extra special offer right now when you sign up use the promo code palace that means if you don't make money in your first contest FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10 so go to FanDuel.co.uk and use the promo code palace to grab the offer now what are you waiting for terms apply over 18s only please play responsibly I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as we enjoyed making it or something. Uh, <laughs> one thing we didn't talk about in any major detail, of course, was uh, Alan Pardew's choice of substitutions. Now, Jack, uh, I'm going to let you lead us into this one because uh, you wanted to bring this up. Uh, what, First of all, if you describe the substitutions and tell us what you thought of them. Yeah, that's, um, substitution is normally one of the Pardew outers' favourite things to bring up, say, makes them all the wrong time, the wrong people, um, can't do anything right with subs. I just thought it was interesting to see Campbell uh, come on ahead of Wickham. I don't know what Wickham was thinking. And then there's also bringing on Fry as a left-back um, towards the end of the game for your left-back. I just, I, I didn't have too much of a problem with them, but a lot of people seem to take real issue with that. I thought Chungi was a good idea bringing him on Ledley. That's sort of made sense, that replacement. Um, but I just do see people taking taking it way too far with substitutions when it comes to Pardew. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a little bit. thing. It's sort of like damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing, isn't it? You know, he's, you, could, you could point to his use of subs against Sunderland winning us the game. Uh, you know, and it wasn't that long ago. So no, Awful decisions, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think he was going for the element of surprise. Really do. Campbell. Campbell. They're not expecting Campbell. He could do most damage. That Nobody way. expects Fraser Campbell. Yes. Not even Fraser Campbell expects Fraser Campbell. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, Terence, your view is that he might be putting him in the shop window. Is that is that literally all you can think of? Uh, yeah, it's all I can think of, unless Pardew just thought that Conor Wickham didn't do enough when he came on against West Ham and he's giving Campbell a chance. I don't know, but for me, it smells more of shop window uh, to get rid. Uh, he's out of contract in the summer, so if we can get a transfer fee for him, no matter how small it is, that would be ideal. Um, and to be fair, he was unlucky. He nearly got on the score sheet at the end. Yeah. I mean, he's usually deadly from that range. 
And a third or fourth time of asking. No, I'm being really, un- you know, yes. <laughs> Yeah, he has taken a lot of stick, and I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of doing it in a, in a joking way because I, you know, I don't, I'm not somebody who actually dislikes Fraser Campbell, um, you know, and I, I do think he's a far better player than he actually gets credit for. He's just perhaps not to the, not to the standard we require in the Premier League, but he's certainly not, not a terrible footballer or anything like that. He's not, you know, he's not Calvin Andrew, and it's interesting to see the the way the goalposts move, isn't it? I mean, literally in his case, you know, but. <laughs> but <laughs> But, you know, in the sense that if you look to that time where we had Calvin Andrew up top and imagined if we could have had Fraser Campbell instead, we'd have uh, been your hand off. So it is is a straight Or Jermaine Easter. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Mr. Philpott, uh, do you have a problem with with Pardew's subs in general or do you think he gets it right more often than not? (laughs) I would have gone with Wickham over Campbell. Well, just Campbell, you know, everybody knocks him, but he's a good championship striker. But as you just alluded to, he's not a fantastic Premier League player. I mean, I would have put Wickham on up top with Benteke, if nothing else, but just to wind Terence Ward up and gone with a 4-4-2 because I just know it drives him mad. Did you call him Terence Ward? No, I did, it, I did say Terence Ford, but I could call him a lot worse. <laughs> no, 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 see... I, you, I don't have so much against a four-four-two formation, uh, especially if you're chasing a game. Uh, it, it gives teams a bit more to think about. I just don't think it's that four-four-two just gets counteracted too easily by all the, the main formations that people play out these days in your um, four-two-three ones and so on. Uh, Leicester was only an, ex- an exception to the rule last season because everyone refused to give them any credit right until it was too late, basically. Very true. Um, I, I actually think when we talk about Fraser Campbell, I actually think he'd probably have a similar impact to uh, to Dwight Gale in the Championship. What do you think about that? <laughs> no, um, no. Right. You've I been drinking have, again. I have, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know. I don't actually think that I was introducing it as a concept because I find that quite funny this week. Um, Real a lot of attention on Gale because of the goals he's scoring at Newcastle, um, and I don't know. Is anyone having any regret now? Still, I'm not. I'm not surprised with Gale doing so well in the Championship. I think he's he's perfect for sort of a dominant team like Newcastle in the Championship. I just we've had we had four managers while Gale was at Palace. Not one of them would give him regular first team football. So clearly those managers are seeing something that we're not. Um, but I could not really see much of a reason why he wasn't getting more game time. I would have loved him to be able to sort of score more goals, be our leading forward, because I you know, really liked him and thought he was a great player. But I think clearly something wasn't up with him for, 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 uh, for four managers to not choose him. Well, for me as well, Jack, you, you've got to look at... It might be a different story now if you, if you gave with people with the benefit of hindsight, but if you look at the end of the season when Dwight Gale was available, there was a list of 20 Premier League managers who didn't want him. That's you know that's the bottom line. You know the only the only man, manager that wanted him, or the highest level manager that wanted him was Rafa Benitez in the Championship at Newcastle. So if Dwight Gale was was what people think he is, uh, then I'm sure one of the twenty Premier League managers would have at least taken a chance on him for the money he was available at. Because ten million sound, sounds like a lot of money, but for a Premier League club it isn't. So but no yeah, one else wanted to take that risk. We'll see next season. Newcastle are on to go up. We'll see how he fares in the Premier. 
Premier League or if Newcastle drop him, we'll know then. Let's Inter- interestingly, Nick, though, I think he could be a big success if he plays a full season at Newcastle, comes up as their top scorer, which is quite likely. I think he could fly in the Premier League after doing yeah. that, but he needed to do that first. That was the, yeah. that was a strange thing about it. See, we bought when we bought Dwight Gale, we bought him as almost like, you know, potentially he might give us enough goals in the Premier League, but if, as was potentially quite likely, we went we went down, we'd have started that next season with Glenn Murray and Dwight Gale up front in the Championship. So mm. we were coming back. We were coming back with those two. We, we know it. And so, and, and that's what I felt. I, I really honestly felt that like that was the reason we did it. We did it with one eye on the, on the worst happening. Um, and as it panned out, we, we, you know, kind of established ourselves and there we go. It, it never worked out from here. But I think I think the move he got to Newcastle was right for all parties. As I said earlier in the season, I think it was right. And I, but I do think it could be the making of him as a as a Premier League and potentially future England striker as well. But I still think it was the right call if you if that can, those two things can work together. There you go. Yeah. That'll I do, think that would make great. Um, if we ever changed our name... Um, one eye thing, uh, one eye on the worst thing possible happening. It'd be a good blog name, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. <laughs> good stuff. Anyway, cheers for downloading. Make sure you download the uh, preview podcast in midweek, and we'll be back. Chris, Chris, Will's question of the week, mate. Oh crap! All right. Well, I'll, let me. I'll just style it out. We'll be back next Sunday, of course, with Albert hosting. And before we leave you, we've got Will's question of the week. Are you asking it, or am I? Uh, I've got an it you better ask it um is football better now or was it better in the past oh yeah that's the one where we we actually answered it but we didn't record it um i'm gonna leave that open for terence to answer that first um surely you should be going to nick philpot because he's really old oh sorry <laughs> right uh, really old nick because <laughs> do you feel that football is better now than it was back in the day no, absolutely not. It's much better when they were playing with long baggy shorts and big old heavy leather balls with stitching in it. Kicking lumps out of each other. Kicking lumps out of each other. <laughs> Crowds the... waving their rattles. Yeah. yeah. What, what are they, were they called rattles, those things? A terrible yeah. is, is that what they're called? Yeah. No, of, yeah. Course the, of course, the fitness and the diets of the players these days is far superior to what it was then. I mean... Who is it that used to have a packet of Benson and Edge's fags in, in, in the dugout back in the 50s? I'm, I'm, I'm sure uh, uh, well, Gus it, it was that Man United goal that used to hang outside the changing room and have a fag at half time. The French mm. guy. He used to hang outside the changing room. How bad does that have sound? A fag. He'd, have a, oh. uh, he'd have a fag at half time. Right. Remember, Argentinian national managers always smoking in the dugout, actually. Yeah. Well, that is an experience, Nick, <clears throat> actually going. Listen, I mean, let's let's do Sellers Park. I mean, let's be honest with you. I've been there on a cold Tuesday night with Berry at home, snowing, bloody horrible. And then you go to uh, go to an atmosphere like we did. Is your washing machine back on, Nick? No. (laughs) (laughs) And then you go to that atmosphere like we 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 put out against West Ham the other day. It's just, I mean, to see the stadium as full as it is now, looking at as good as it is now, with the the vibrancy and. Yeah, it's just superb. It's just superb. Um, there is no, there's, there's no contest. Now is far superior to what it used to be. Well, there you go. What did you think then, Terence? Um, well, I can only look so far. I started going to football in the early nineties. Um, Quality-wise, it's 
it's better now. I think you just have to listen to ex-pros who, um, at the back end of their career, caught more of the side of the game that it is now. They will talk about how the game is much faster now and um, much more tactical, much more information on all teams. So everybody, there's no one has any real secrets anymore. Everyone's fully scouted and analysed before the game. Um, Atmosphere-wise, I miss terraces. I really, really do like terraces, and I'm obviously a huge advocate of safe standing and I think that needs to come back because it's more dangerous standing in um, seated areas as we do now but the the atmosphere now at Palace is always it's always been decent and obviously the Homesdale Fanatics now have added a different dimension to that and it's a constant singing thing uh, we uh, I think our atmosphere has been better than it has been this season I think we slack off a little bit of time especially in away games now we're more slipping into that maybe we feel like we should be winning games and we're not just singing just because you know we're happy to be here like we were perhaps in 2013-14 and so on so yeah I think there's a mix I prefer like I say I prefer the atmosphere from back in the day with terraces and so on but I think the quality is obviously a lot better now uh, Jack, you're you're a bit of a youngster, but you know, in your short frame of reference, um, do you think the football these days is uh, any better than it was what two years ago? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say, yeah, uh, football in the past for me was sort of 2010, 12. Um, <laughs> but what, what, watching, what, watching back on it, um, sort of so much has changed. It's got so much better at the, the actual style of play. Um, but even in the short in the short period that we have been in the Palace has been in the Premier League, it has got a lot better. Atlassian, I do think, has generally slipped a little bit. Like you said, we were just happy to be there at the very start. Now there is a bit more of an expectation. But I think I did probably enjoy going to games when we first got promoted a little bit more, just because there was that sense that, well, we've got nothing to lose. Now it's a bit more. Yeah, it's against the... the wall. We know how to do that, don't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, the, the, we have lost a bit of the camaraderie. There's, you know... We haven't gone full West Ham, you know, fighting in the ter- fighting in the ter- <laughs> or fighting ourselves in the stands and all that kind of stuff, really. But you know, there is. I I really don't like this divide that has been created by people talking about oh, bloody tourists all the time. I get it, you know what I mean. I get it, and I and I I have uttered those words myself at times in specific incidents. But automatically deciding that. You know, no one from I don't know the US who didn't follow a, a, a soccer team or whatever didn't follow them last year and have decided to pick Palace. If they got on a, on, a, on a message board or on Twitter, they get stick for that. And you kind of think, come on, mate, everyone has to start somewhere. Global I've game. I've got a story. I've got a story for that. I was in um, the Alpha. I think it was at the start of this season, and there was um, someone with a Chang Young Lee top. It looked like they come. They come from Korea or something they had a Chang Young lead top and the Man United game was on I think it might have been Man United or it might have been last season Man United were playing on TV and the uh, guy with the Palace top in the half it was just before the game watching it um, sort of celebrated when Manchester United scored and he got a lot of uh, sort of dodgy looks from around him that's, yeah. pre- that's crept in a bit more yeah and I, you know what I, I get that I, I get that but at the same time you know that's that person has a right to, to kind of to get excited about football in a, in a different way than we do and absolutely yeah but it's you know just, what I mean it's, I we, get we, didn't it. see, we didn't see that five six years ago at Palace no no you're right no but we'd, but we'd have loved it five or six years ago in a way because at least there'd be people actually filling their empty seats it's, yeah you can't really have it both ways I, I do I do get a little bit concerned when we start talking about you know the game 
not being available to you know to traditional fans because of cost and because there's you know there's a sellout and there's whole loads of tourist tickets and all this kind of stuff and i know the club does a really really good job in trying to identify touts and kicking them out and all that sort of stuff but but bottom line is you know a palace fan is a palace fan it doesn't matter if they started supporting the club yesterday or they started supporting the club when nick was a boy yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I come in yeah. and say my bit? My favourite time of going going to Palace is is there were two kind of experiences. The one for me when I was kind of eighteen, when right and bright, and always used to stand in the same place on the terrace in the Arthur, and everybody kind of gave each other a nod, and you could turn up late and still get in, pay on the day, and it was cheap, cheaper. I mean, I can remember when Palace were in the Premier League and I got a membership card and they were laminating them in front of us on bits of old cards, you know. Yeah. We've come a long way. And then I've got the experience of bringing the kids. And uh, I think we do that quite well at Palace. It's, it's, yeah, we do. It's better than what it was. I mean, there is a negative side. I mean, there's a, a mate of mine who's given up his season ticket next year. He's, you know, he's absolutely Palace mad, goes home and away all the time. But he's just... He, he finds the match day experience of going and being a, a Maidstone United fan, where he's from, he finds that as a much more rewarding day out. He will always support Palace and want Palace to win. But for what he wants to get out of being a supporter, the Premier League and the, the atmosphere at Palace and the type of football and the cost and all that kind of stuff, that doesn't do it for him anymore. Like, like it does. It's basically, you know, when you were, even when we were back, at, you know, just back in the Championship not that long ago, it felt like you were part of something more exclusive than it currently is. You know, we, it, like it almost feels for some people like we've kind of sold our soul and become part of this Premier League. And I get that. I really do. But you know, We've been globalised, mate. That's what it is. Yeah, we, we have. But you either so go with it or you don't. If, yeah. You know, your, your, your kind of choice is then, then you don't almost you turn up not wanting your team to win. Do you know, do you know what? I've, I've got a great example of how to sum this up is the other day, bearing in mind I live in East London, someone cycled past me on a bike wearing last season's away shirt. And I was just like, I just screamed in his face, Eagles, because, you know, <laughs> for me to see like a Palace fan in yeah. East London is the guy looks at me like I was mad. Really? And where, you know, in my experience in the past, go through the 90s and the early 2000s, the whole time there, anytime you see another Palace fan out of context like that, you'd stop and have a little chat for a couple of seconds. And just, oh, yeah. But now it's now you just I see Palace fans all the time, even in East London, and it's 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 weird. Now that that surprises me because even now, like I, I, there was a Palace fan who was going across uh, across the road near a roundabout, and I went three times around the roundabout showing eagles out of the window. That's what you do, isn't it? <laughs> That's the rule. If you see a Palace shirt, <laughs> you have to do something horrific and shout eagles at them continuously oh, until he's he's, put, he's probably seen me on Palace fan TV or something and said, oh, no, I'm, it's, "I'm avoiding him like the plague." <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the same. <laughs> when we, um, when we anyway, that's... Uh... Sorry, when we got promoted in 79, that summer, we emigrated to Cornwall, to Falmouth. And uh, when Palace were top for a bit, and suddenly there were all these Palace fans in Falmouth. Well, I say all these, there was about five of them. And I was thinking, you weren't even born when I first went. Well, they were, because obviously they're the same age as me. But it was like, you, what were you doing putting that on? What, just because they're top? And I was calling them plastics then before I knew what plastic was. But it was weird that suddenly other people supported my team, my team that I go to week in, week out. 
yeah, I get that. It is a strange, it is a strange thing to kind of cope with. But like I say the, the bottom line is, it was we are where we are. We, we all go every week wanting our team to win, don't we? And we all get stressed out if our team doesn't win. So what must follow from that is, if we want our team to succeed, we have to accept what goes with it. Um, you know, my person personally, I just think we've got to be a bit more. We've got, you know, it's those people have been going for ages and are now saying, well, the atmosphere is being ruined by plastics. Well, it's your job to educate these people, to be inclusive, to teach them what it's about being a Palace fan, like you would anyone else. It's, you know, that that that's the only thing that I would say in terms of the atmosphere and, and how we can help it ourselves. It's, yeah, but you can't do that in one game, Chris, because a lot of them only go for one game. Yeah, well, if you if they they probably come back for another game, or you know, I'm not saying it works for everyone, but. At the same time, if you you know these you know, human beings who are coming to support, hopefully support Palace, and if they don't, just you know, being argumentative for argumentative yeah. sake. Oh, shut up! Let us end this. <laughs> 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 We're going to do something important or something. Anyway, that's uh, we will. Thank you very much to Will for his question again. This part's a very uh, interesting debate. I hope you enjoyed it. So, as I was saying earlier before Nick reminded we needed to do that conversation, uh, thank you very much for downloading and being with us this week. Uh, preview podcast during the course of the week. Make sure you download that, and we'll be back next Sunday. Cheers. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.